On today's episode, we explore the word hallowed. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Today I'm excited to have Trey Haskett with me. He and I met a few years ago at a preacher's workshop, and he's been working in the Tupelo, Mississippi area for quite a few years. He's married, has a couple of kids, and has really become a staple of the congregation there. He is doing great work, really encouraging the group and building them up, and I think you'll be encouraged by the things he has to say today about the word hallowed. Let's jump on in. I'm excited to dig into our topic today. It, it's kind of a weird topic because it's a word we've all heard, but it is a word we're probably not overly familiar with. Well, I, I say not familiar. We're familiar with it, but we don't necessarily know what it means. And so you and I had talked about going through the word hallowed. So let's start where we always start. What does the word hallowed mean? This word hallowed, you know, we get this primarily from Jesus's prayer there in, in Matthew chapter six, as he's teaching the disciples how to pray. And uh, it gets picked up in our prayer language. We use it as well. But what does it mean to, to hallowed be your name? This term that is, is sort of old English, Elizabethan English. And really, it just means to that make God's name holy, for his name to be holy. But then what does that word mean, right? Yeah, We've exactly. got to go another step. And uh, so I guess the, the most basic way I can think about this is to hold something in honor, to, to make it honorable, to hold it in, in high esteem, that this, this has a special place for me. I, I put this in a special place. I guess thinking about holiness and, and something to be hallowed in that way. Um, and there's a couple of places in scripture where we can see this, this being worked out. One of those is like 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, where Peter says, honor uh, Christ the Lord in your hearts is holy. Um, and so giving him this special place uh, in our hearts and with our, our speech, particularly in this idea of hallowing God's name, but maybe that goes beyond our speech uh, into how we live, what, what sort of place and what sort of priority we've put God in in our lives. It, it is interesting to me, you look at the Bible as a whole, you've got a lot of statements in the Old Testament that talk about the value or the way we should perceive the name of God. Not not even God himself, but the name of God. Looking at Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 23. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Just earlier than that, Ezekiel 36, 23, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nation. 
and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am God, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. It seems that God equates the way we view his name with the way we view him. And so in that prayer language, hallowed be your name is essentially the same thing as saying, hallowed be you. Like we are going to hold you in high regard. Why do you think there is a emphasis on treating the name of God uh, in, in a particular way? You know, we, we all know, or at least a lot of us know, for instance, the Ten Commandments. And one of those commandments is, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And maybe this helps us to think about this maybe in a more broad application, because we think about that sometimes, like, okay, well, I shouldn't curse and use the name of God, or swear and use the name of God, or I, I shouldn't uh, use the name of God flippantly in my speech. But that idea of taking the name of the Lord your God in vain, it's really this idea of how do you carry it? How, how are you bearing it? The way that you live is saying something about God. And, and that's, you know, when, when it talks in Ezekiel 36 about profaning God's name, it's not just that they had said some things about God that were not very respectful or honorable, but he's looking at their life and how they're living, that they're not burying or carrying the name in a way that brings them honor and glory. And so when we think about hallowing or setting apart or honoring the name, it's much more than just what am I doing with my lips? It's how am I living in my life? And I think that's helpful for us to, to think about. I don't know if, if you ever use this with your kids. I, I remember hearing it at times, but uh, you, you may t tell your, your children, remember the name, remember your name as you go out. Um, or you hear about like, okay, this person does something really bad and they disgrace the family name. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's okay. Am I living in a way that is bringing honor to the name that I wear? And we wear the name Christian and we are called by the name of God and, and people know us as that. And so if I'm, and this gets into to maybe even a, a, a broader subject for us as Christians, but if I'm wearing that name, how am I living with that name? Am I living as it is holy or am I just, you know, coming to church and speaking in a way uh, that, you know, Sundays and maybe I come on Wednesdays. And so I'm saying good things about God then, but the way that I'm living doesn't really match my, my language, the speech that I use. Well, and I think you see that in the context of the prayer itself that Jesus mm. teaches his disciples. Uh, let me read it here. It's Matthew chapter six, verse nine through 13. Therefore you should pray like this. Our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. That's the section there that in the old translation say, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He goes on to talk about forgiving others as we've been forgiven. And in the sermon itself, he talks a lot about the way that we behave, the way that we live. So there, I think you're 100% right on target with what Jesus is trying to say. He, we should desire to live a certain way because it brings honor to God, because we serve him. That, that absolutely is the way we should do this. So let me switch gears on you here. I have open okay. here that version that I just read, which is the Christian Standard Bible version. But 
let me read the same version from the King James Version, because it's the one that actually uses the word hallowed. Starting in verse 9 again, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory, excuse me, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In this version, it just sounds more complicated. Mm. You've got ye, thee, thou, thy, hallowed. You've got all these fancy words that I don't know about you, but I don't hear people speak like this anymore. Why is it that we still use words like hallowed instead of using simpler language like holy be your name or honor be given to your name? That's a great question. You know, it, these aren't phrases or, or words that we use in our everyday uh, communication or everyday language, but uh, maybe the one place that, that, that it is used is on Sunday mornings uh, as we come together to worship. And, and you, you see that a, across a, a variety of of uh, faith traditions that they still have, we still have at times a, a pension for using this sort of language. Well, what's up with that? I, I think there's a couple things. Going on. Well, I got to say this. First of all, uh, at least within our tradition, we're not very, um, uh, we, we don't speak in tongues. Um, however, when it comes to Sunday morning, there may be some uh, tongue speaking going on. Because here we are speaking in a language uh, that, that uh, a lot of people really don't resonate with. Maybe it's not very relevant to them. It doesn't mean much to them. In fact, it can often be sort of confusing uh, at times, which is really, I think, the whole point of this podcast is about taking these concepts and words that can be confusing and making them understandable. So why do we still talk like this? Well, I think it actually goes back to that word hallowed. Because we view God as holy, because we, we hold God as honored, we have a way of speaking about God that is maybe different than the way that we would talk, you know, as maybe you and I are talking or yeah. as the way that friends would talk. Um, and, and I think that there's something to that. I, I definitely think that um, as we think about God, you know, so for instance, a means to try to make God more relatable you might see or hear people going to God and praying like, Hey, big guy, or something like that, right? Where they're trying to bring God down to our level. And I think that that has taken the desire to speak in a way that is plain in a way that's understandable, maybe swung the pendulum to the opposite degree. Uh, and so we want to speak in ways of God that are honorable, that are respectful, but can we do that in a way that also makes sense to most people? I, I think we have to get back to the question of what are we trying to do? What, what are we trying to communicate? And we want to communicate that God is holy, that God is set apart, that God should be honored. But if I'm not understanding or if there's somebody in our audience that's not understanding or we have a visitor that comes in and understands. And let's be honest, I, I, I don't want to reveal how uh, many years old I was that I actually learned what hallowed meant. But uh it was uh, probably not very, very long ago. I'd say probably within the last 10 years or so that I, I kind of came to know what, what that term meant. So we use this language in ways that maybe are not the most helpful. And, and Paul actually talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where he's talking about people speaking in tongues. 
And, and while we're not talking about exactly the same thing, it's kind of similar because Paul's talking about people using language that others might not understand. And we might speak in these tongues and be able to use this language and it might be beautiful, but if people don't understand what we're saying, it really doesn't matter. And so he'll say, for instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 10, he says, there are doubtless many different languages in the world and none without meaning, but if I don't know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up of the church. And time and time again, Paul's going to come back to that idea in chapter 14 of building up of the church. That should be our goal. And I can't build you up if you don't understand what I'm saying. And I can't be built up if I don't understand whoever's speaking or praying what they're saying. And so we can honor God while still using language that is understandable to the masses uh, that are sitting in the pews. And we don't want to judge anybody's motives. And I, I am convinced that 99.9% you know, of the people using this language aren't doing it to be seen, though yeah. some may be. But, but most people are just doing it out of tradition because that's the way that they've learned. That's what they've heard. And um, while there's nothing wrong with that, in theory, in practice, if it's not accomplishing the goal, which is, as you said, building up, or I really liked, uh, you know, you, you turning to Paul's metaphor or images there of the bugle and calling to action. You know, as we think about prayer, it is, yes, it's our communication to God. But, uh, you know, as we are addressing one another in prayer, it's also, you know, when we say your kingdom come, your will be done uh, on heaven as an earth, that's a call to say, or hallowed be your name. That's a call to say, God, you be honored in my life. I, I want to live this way throughout this week. And we can't call people to action. We can't build up if they're not able to understand what we are saying. And so just thinking about the purpose, why are we speaking? What are we trying to accomplish with that? I think it's going to go a long way then to helping us to, to choose our words wisely in a way that's going to be effective. So what are some other words, phrases that you are familiar with that we tend to use probably more out of tradition or out of just rote repetition. It's what we've grown up hearing in prayer or what we've grown up hearing in a worship service. Uh, and so we repeat them because it sounds good. Yeah, I guess one that, that, that uh, I, I've often heard throughout the years, and um, again, I won't reveal how old I was before I actually thought about, okay, what are we saying with this, was lay by and store. You know, that's coming from Paul's uh, teaching there in 1 Corinthians 16. And um, I, I like how the, um, the English standard uses it, still using some of those same words, but it says put something aside and store it up. And, and that's a little bit more understandable or intelligible to me than lay by in store. And, and so we have some of these stock phrases uh, that we can use from time to time. What about, what about the word sound? When I hear the word sound, I think about what you were talking about earlier, like, you know, somebody making some noise on you know a, a bugle or a recorder you, you were you yeah, were caught up that, that's got to be the worst um, invention ever you know, we, we, we use, you know um, when it's some played of that, well that it's beautiful um, or um, but it's so rarely played well <laughs> <laughs> well the, the thing is we just use it for the fourth graders and then we abandon it and yeah. so you know whoever who becomes an expert on the recorder right uh, but i'm sure there are those out there that can do it and do it well but so we just when we hear the word sound, for instance, we think of like an audible noise, something I'm hearing. 
And Paul will use that language, and some of our translations will use that word, for instance, in like 1 Timothy or Titus. And we might read that, and we don't really know what it means, or maybe we have a, a definition that we've sort of come to on what it means, and then we reapply that. And I don't know that it is really in, uh, understandable to most people. Uh, and we might find that we are using a word in, in a way that uh, it really doesn't mean what it meant originally. So the word sound, it really just means healthy. And when Paul uses that, for instance, in First Timothy or, or the book of Titus, um, oftentimes he's using that to talk about something we've already talked about, and that is, how are you living? What is your lifestyle? What sorts of things are you doing? And yet I've often heard that language used in terms of what is, what is the church's doctrine or what is their teaching, which we need to have healthy teaching. We need to have healthy doctrine. But again, it's about broadening that out and saying, okay, how is this used in context? And oftentimes it's used to talk about, okay, how is a person living? What, what does their life look like? Um, but, but there's another word there that I, I, I think for most people, if you're coming in and, and let's be honest, we live in a day and age where a lot of people uh, no longer attend church on a regular basis. At least uh, that's more and more the case than it was in the past. And so if we think about that and think about the people coming into our our assemblies, we want to communicate to them in a way that they are able to understand, they're able to get something out of it, and they want to come back and hear more. And if I'm using language, sort of these stock phrases that don't mean anything to them, I, I may be cutting them off uh, from being built up and from learning and growing and what is should be really our goal. So I like that you keep using the word stock phrases because mm. just in my background doing computer work and design work, you deal a lot with stock images. And mm. probably most of us are familiar with the idea of a stock image. It's, it is a, a fake image of people you don't know in a situation posing in order to present a certain idea. But it mm. is that it's it very clearly fake. If you ever see a website filled with stock images, it looks very different than a website where somebody has hired a photographer to come in and take real pictures of their company and their organization and the people in it. Uh, there's just a, a dramatic difference between the fakeness of stock images and the realness, the genuineness of, of real images. Mm. We, as you said, use stock phrases. And honestly, for, I think for most people, when we hear those stock phrases, it pulls us out of the conversation or out of the prayer or out of the sermon in a way that causes us to go, nah, this just doesn't seem genuine to me. Mm. Uh, as opposed to someone who's truly speaking from the heart as they speak in a prayer or someone getting up and speaking the word of God, but doing it in a way that is relatable and understandable so that it actually brings changes and brings a a desire to know more to the people who are listening. Yeah, I, and I think that's a, a really great point. It gets back to what we were talking about earlier. I, I don't think that we are most of the time doing these things intentionally or um, having some, some sort of wrong motivation. But I do think that oftentimes we can do things without really thinking about them. 
And so they do just kind of become rote and mundane and, and maybe we sort of flippantly throw something in because we know, you know, every prayer has got to contain, you know, these five or six elements or whatever. You know, Adam, as you were talking, it, uh, it brought up for me and I, I'm not getting get, get political here, but I, I just remember what was it a couple of years ago um, when uh, there was a congressional meeting and the prayer was ended with a man and a woman. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and it just goes to show um, we're using language at times that we don't know what it means. And yeah. that is a, a classic example of that. I don't know when it was that I learned what amen meant, but I thought that's just, that's just what you said at the end of the prayer. That's yeah. this, this thing you say to close out a prayer. It's like saying well, the end. <laughs> right, right. It's like saying the end. And, you know, maybe that's what's being communicated to those in the audience. But what amen originally meant was... I mean this thing. This thing is true. I am committed to what I am saying here. And this is sort of my stamp of approval on that. Yeah. And that gets back to this idea that we're talking about with hallowed. If we're just going to pray, we need to pray and, and we need to make that meaningful, genuine, real. This is something that I'm committed to. I mean what I'm saying here. I'm not just saying things to say things. So do you say things just to say things or do you say things because you truly mean them? especially in prayers to God. There is so much we can tell him about how wonderful he is, how hallowed his name is, and what an awesome and wonderful God he is for each of us. And I hope you do that regularly. I hope the words you use when you speak to God are not just well understood, but they are meant with all of your heart. I hope today's episode has been beneficial to you, and I hope that it is something that Uh, has helped you enough that you're even willing to share it with others. We want to reach people, not because it makes our numbers go up, but because God's word is worth hearing and worth understanding. And we hope that we're able to do that in this effort of the podcast. Tune back in Thursday, and we will have a follow-up episode where we spend a little bit more time on the word hallowed, and try to make sure that we truly have an understanding of these words that we use so frequently and words we read in the Bible that that really make a difference in our lives. Until next time, 